With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. breakdown and tonight we are joined by our homie mike from timeshares you are listening to their song siren sound off their latest album limb mike what's going on brother what's going on boys how are you thanks for having me super excited to have you join us um it's a perfect intersection of the hockey and music world we were just talking for about a half an hour before we even started recording and there's a ton of stories that I'm excited to get into. I'm but, sure we could go all night if if uh, no one stops us. 100% we could, 100%. but one of the lives will. <laughs> but yeah, I guess since we just played a single off of Lynn, let, let's start there. I know the album came out in September. So, you know, to fill us in on, on the response and, you know, have you gotten to play some of those songs yet live and so on? It's been awesome. Um, the, the the backstory on the record is that it was it was ready to go before the pandemic. Um, one of those albums, um, and you know when it when when the world kind of shut down, I think a lot of people put put shel- uh, put albums on the shelf to kind of wait and see if there was going to be uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. I know our our uh, guitar player Max Stern um put out his solo record in the middle of it um he just went for it and i think that worked out great for him um we were hanging on to it for a little bit um we didn't have a label for it uh just yet um and i think if if that had dragged on much longer i think we would have just pulled the trigger and put it out but um you know things started to loosen up and uh we uh felt it was the right time um we finally got it out of a vinyl pressing is a nightmare right now so that yeah the better part of uh 2022 and uh yeah finally came out in september uh the vinyls rolled in just in time for fest at the end of october 
I actually picked him up in Gainesville nice. uh, a few hours before we played. And uh, yeah, we've, we've gotten to play. We, we came back from Fest and did record release shows on the East Coast. Um, we did a couple shows with Captain We're Sinking in December. And then uh, we just did a run with All The Way Lou on the East Coast um, a couple weeks ago. And those sets have been, you know, a lot of, we've been playing a lot of stuff off the new record and it, it feels really good. Um, you know, we've been band for over a decade now. So we've been hitting people with a lot of the same songs for a long yeah. time. And uh, the response to the new stuff's been great. Um, you know, obviously hanging on a record for that long, you wonder what people are going to think when it finally comes out. But uh, it's been cool. Yeah. I was going to say, um, that's that's pretty cool that you were playing record release shows with with uh, Captain We're Sinking, right? Those were those were separate. Our our okay. record release shows were um, the beginning of November after Fest. Yeah, um, and those were with uh, Teenage Halloween, and then the Captain shows uh, were kind of their comeback shows that they yeah. had to do. Yeah, because yeah. like, you guys put a split out probably what twelve years ago at this point. Years ago, that was <laughs> that was like our first actual release after our demo yeah that was, was the that was them. 2010 yeah that was that came out around fest 2010 october yeah kiss of death records that was a long time ago i just love I, I you said that and i was like wait a minute i was like i'm pretty sure they had a split with this band forever yeah. ago i was like that's pretty oh, cool yeah. to have that full circle moment there for real yeah we actually so the one the one song that was on that that we re-recorded for our first album, we ended up uh, playing that at the shows, which doesn't come out as much as it yeah. used to. Uh, just had to had to relive the past a little bit there, you know. I love that. Now, unfortunately, Tom's not here tonight, but anyone that listens to Bar Down Breakdown knows that Tom is like the biggest supporter of Fest. Like yeah. he raves about year. that. He goes every year. And he lives in Orlando now, but he used to live on Long Island. So, like, the fact that he went, like, every year when he lived on Long Island is just, like, shows how much he loves that festival. Oh, I know. And and having gone down so many years uh, from New York, I mean, it's it's a haul, you know? Oh, yeah. you feel, and coming home, you almost feel like you're driving uphill. It's, it's almost uh it, it almost feels downhill on the way down and uphill on the way back though that's a long haul if you're not uh if you're not touring and uh yeah it's uh it's it's wild and and, and back in the day like we'd we'd pile seven or eight people into a, a motel room at the uh, america's best value yep uh, <laughs> for, for 70 bucks it's 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 changed quite a bit you know the the hotel rooms down there are like 300 bucks a night now uh more than that really but uh yeah people used to people used to pile in and carpool and and stuff into rooms and uh just make it work however that's punk and rock you mentioned that you guys played what fest eight or nine uh we were so eric and uh eric and our original guitar player jay uh had started a band in college we all went to college together in upstate new york uh, they started a band up there called The Knockdown. About halfway through uh, our time in college, I ended up joining that band. Um, there were some member changes. John was my friend from home. Um, 
from from the high school days, the local scene. And uh, when we needed a guitar player for a tour, I uh, called on him. He stepped in. We did some tours together. And then uh, the singer from that band moved down to Florida. And uh, we kind of just we, we were like we could either, uh, you know, be a band in multiple states and, and do things when when we're able to or we can, you know, start something fresh and, and really go for it. And then 10 years from now, be a band in different states that does stuff when we can. So here we are. Uh, that's how we ended up with this band all that time ago. So the knockdown actually was our last show was at Fest 8. And then uh, Fest 9 was the first timeshare show right the first timeshare's fest show yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you played like every single one uh, until like we played everyone last, since. and and we're on, like on fest 24 or something right or 21 it's, it's legal to drink 21 the 21? last one okay. 20. so the 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 uh the fest coming out of covid was 19 and that was it was a little tame mm-hmm. uh for fest i think you know, people were still a little uh, wary, wary, a little cautious to travel. And it was it was it was cool. Um, there was a little more elbow room. Um, you know, it definitely seemed more chill, but it was cool. Um, and then I think for Fest 20, they really wanted to bring it back to uh, the standard. And it was it was pretty packed, pretty wild down there. It was awesome. Love that. Super cool. So, um, I, I guess since we're talking festivals, you guys got a pretty busy summer, I guess. Can you fill us in on what, what timeshares got cooking for the festival? We are, um, yeah, we're, we're heading back to Europe. Um, I think it's our, our fourth time over nice. to Europe. Um, and we're playing booze cruise in Hamburg for the second time we played in 2018, which might've been the second booze cruise um we're also doing beard attack fest which is also in germany um i'm spacing right now we're it's leipzig yeah yeah um there's a festival in zurich that we're playing that same weekend as beard attack uh i should have been uh should have been prepped on this um (laughs) let me see if i can find it really quick while you're thinking yeah but either way, you said that you guys have done the Europe circuit a few times before. We have actually. So we went in 2013 and 2015, and both of those tours were just over a month, which was wild. Wow. Um, at, at the time, um, you know, that that was like the way to kind of make your flight money back was to play a ton of shows and yeah. uh, and grind it out. We did our, our first tour was with Intellectual, which is a Dutch kind of skate punk band, uh, like politically minded, really awesome band. And they were they were the perfect band to do our first European tour with. They they knew the ropes, they're a little bit older than us and, and kind of showed us the way. And then uh, the second time over, we played Gros Rock in Belgium, which was awesome. We uh, we played like the same stage as Bane. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> I have a video on my phone of Bane playing like from the side of the stage and it's just carnage, just a million stage dives. And I'm like standing next to one of the guys from My Chemical Romance who's like in a big camo coat, just like 
you know, incognito almost. Uh, that was insane. That was one of the wildest days. Um, and then we did uh, a week in the UK, came back over, did a few shows, and then we did the second half of that tour with Ospai from Austria, who uh, were just the best dudes. Uh, they they're now defunct, but uh, just they were a European mainstay band. Just they played fast a few times too. They That's were sick. Best, the best dudes. So, how would you compare those like European punk festivals to like some of the ones here in the states? Like you know, like we mentioned, fast. I think that um, I think Booze Cruise is Booze Cruise is awesome. Our buddy Stefan. Uh, has been putting that together and it's definitely like kind of modeled off the fest and Pooza fest, uh, you know, um, so like a multi venue kind of layout. Yeah. And they do, they do have bands play on boats. Um, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. They have, uh, we've only been over that one time. We didn't play on the boat. Um, the thing is like the boat leaves and then I think two bands play and they do a circle around and they come back. So, you gotta you gotta get on the boat. They can only take so many people. And yeah. then you're you're out there for, for I think two sets and then uh come back. So that's pretty wild. We never actually got on the boat. We were we were a little um that was our third trip over to Europe, which was kind of a short one. We did we did like a week uh of shows leading up to it and then we did two sets at Booze Cruise. Um and we were just uh Hamburg's a huge city we were we were kind of walking around getting our bearings but uh it, it was cool we never made it to the boat maybe we'll uh maybe we'll get out there this time we're looking forward to it so so it's not like predetermined like you could just be like oh we're gonna muscle our way onto this boat and play a set i i, I don't know I, so where the boat leaves from was actually a, a decent uh a walk down from the venue that we were kind of posted up at for for most of the weekend and uh yeah, we just uh, didn't didn't end up going down there. Didn't didn't see uh, if we would have to fight our way onto the boat. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. But <laughs> I, saw, I saw some video of Pew 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 playing on the boat, and it looked cool. I mean, it it's uh, definitely definitely like a a cool experience that we haven't had yet playing on a boat. <laughs> so does it does it take you like up that river a river into like the North Sea, or does it just kind of like go up the river, turn around? I'm not sure. I would guess it's probably like if if you got two sets happening, it's probably like an hour loop or so. I don't yeah. know how far far they make. It's a pretty small boat. I don't. I, I would think like the the capacity that they let on is probably only like forty fifty people, if that. Yeah, because it's like it's. I mean, honestly, like when you look at for anybody who hasn't been to Germany, um, it's like right on the river eight right? or I don't know what it's called. The river's called. It's like Aiba. Or something like that yeah i'm not sure but, but yeah it's a, it's a huge port town yeah you literally just take the river out and it just goes right out to the north sea like we're like denmark and all this canada we the, our second tour we actually took the ferry we i think we played hamburg and then took the ferry up and played copenhagen and that's came sick out. so sick but the currency exchange for that so one show whoo i was that was very confusing that was yeah. uh showing up for our first show in Denmark. And it's like, no, a, a record is 200 kroner or whatever it was. Yeah. And like, and then trying to make change, it was like, uh, yeah. I don't know. 
yeah, PayPal that's... or with whatever that European app that they use is. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I have to like use a different country's currency, I just like blindly hand over my money. I'm like, please don't take advantage of me. Yeah. This is free. <laughs> yeah. They, they, oh yeah. Depending on where you where you exchange to is, uh, you definitely don't want to go to one of those currency exchange places in the airport. They will uh, destroy you. Yeah, they'll take you for all you got. Yeah, touche. So we're excited. We have a good. We have a good thing going with uh, with Europe, uh, and uh, it's always fun to be there. Everybody's super nice, and uh, they take good care of us. So always now, since you guys are like truly veterans, and you've been doing this for like 13, 14 years at this point. Do you guys kind of view these tours as like kind of your vacations since, you know, obviously you are probably in your mid thirties and have like real jobs and real obligations and you're like, tours are just our PTO that we Oh, buddy, you have no idea. We're all turned in the corner out in the world and uh, rode around in some really shitty vehicles and uh <laughs> did a lot of stuff and yeah now now uh between the four of us we've got like six jobs uh two degrees in progress uh two weddings coming up this year um and you know it, it's really hard to do stuff but any chance we get it's it's awesome like the the chemistry that we have as a band and and just as friends anytime we get together it's uh it's right where it left off the last time so yeah we're we're excited to go back to europe uh stefan from booze cruise kind of was instrumental in getting the ball rolling on that and getting us uh we're going like a week after eric's wedding so and uh shout out to his fiance karen for being cool with that <laughs> just go go toward germany for a little bit go to you're going yeah. to big already. You're going to Hamburg. Yeah. Just go to it's Dusseldorf also, and yeah. Munich. Yeah, just a quick uh, two weekends of festivals with a week in between. Quite different from the like 33 days or whatever it was the first two times. Yeah, just, like one day off in the whole uh, second half of the tour. <laughs> just, just going hard. Just tell them to take the ferry over to Copenhagen. It's like a little fairy tale. Oh yeah, I loved it. I thought that was so cool. So, yeah. Honestly, I, I feel like that's the mindset that I wish a lot of bands had. Like even from the early on, like right. every gig is a gift. I love that because you know there's just there's a small percentage of bands that are gonna like make it and be able to have like a legit career from playing music. Especially right. in this scene, right. uh, like this genre of music. Oh yeah, and and bands like end up having like feuds between their the members in it, and they like you know will go through and blow their whole savings and go into debt because of their bands. Uh, but like, if you're able to just like do it at, as like a passion and and play the shows like when you can, and like not necessarily revolve your whole life around it, right. I think uh, don't get me wrong. We get heated at times, uh, and uh, and and I definitely would have probably more money in the bank if I wasn't playing in the band. But um, you know, it, it is awesome. We have amazing stories and memories and and, and friends that we've made yep. 
through this. So yeah. And, and you know, it's, it just, just stopping or, or not doing it has like really never, um, felt like an option, even, even if we can't do it as much. Um, but you know, at this point we kind of, we have to be a little more picky, yep. weigh the offers as they come in and, and, you know, figure out the logistics and, um, yeah, anything that we can make work is just so much fun and, and so awesome. So that's where we're at right now. I love that. Uh, I don't I don't think I don't think the uh the making it I think that went out the window a long time ago. <laughs> and I, I don't necessarily mean it like oh the band made it, but I mean like oh, yeah. being and able to being able to do this literally do that as your full time job and oh. have like a house and a family with the money you make from your band. Sure. Like the and, percentage and to, of bands that can do that is very slim. To get to that point, you have to have uh you know a lot of help and and the uh, the folks helping out uh they're not doing it for free either so there's got to be a big enough pie for everybody to share and uh you know you really got to have something wild that you know uh we don't know quite how that uh comes about but we're we we are happy with the music that we're making and uh just happy that people listen to it it's it's cool absolutely no one has to listen to it. Yep. And you got people over in Europe who give a shit, which is cool as hell too. Yeah. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So I, I do kind of want to just go back to the, you know, the, the formation you kind of mentioned how it was a little bit of a merger of a few different projects, but you know, you mentioned how you had your roots in the Hudson Valley region of New York. And yep. if I'm doing the math correctly, like 2008, 2009, that's like when, we are the in crowd was blowing up from that area. The morning of was blowing up from that area, like the Newburgh area. So like, do you have any like stories of like those bands and you guys crossing paths because like, it was like the same stomping grounds. I don't really know those bands too. Well, we always talk about, um, Coheed and Cambria is oh, a yeah. Rockford yeah. County band. And, um, their first album came out when I was in high school um and i was uh, in high school i was like a very uh i mean i went to high school 2000 to 2004 um, oh, so you're saying rockland county which is like the southern part of the hudson valley so that like that's more... that's where i'm at yeah okay so me, I, me and john from that... time Fairs are both rockland county boys okay sometimes i consider that like westchester it's so close to westchester we're right yeah we're right across the river yeah okay we're, we're, we're those bands that i mentioned jersey and then upstate so yeah those bands i mentioned were more like the i guess northern part of the hudson valley close there to was, poughkeepsie yeah we there was there yeah poughkeepsie's like 45 minutes away um we'd go up there to the chance i saw against me up at the chance um nice. sweet like touring on um eternal cowboy playing with uh murder by death in the small room at the chance um went up there a few times and saw coheed um i was i was like super into old punk like in high school like dead kennedys and and minor threat and like the old 80s stuff um and then you know at the time you're in the the peak of 
drive through records and warp tour and all that so the the two worlds were kind of Collective. you know a lot of my friends were into that stuff and i kind of slowly got into like coheed um you know bands like thrice and thursday were put out uh you know war all the time and artists in the ambulance came out at the same time and they toured those together I was at a bunch of those shows. So there was definitely some intersection. Census Fail grew up right down the road. In Jersey. Um, right in Jersey. Yeah, like 15, 20 minutes from here. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I kind of mixed into those worlds. Coheed's, their first record blew up. Um, and by the time the second one came out, I was still in high school, but it was... Uh, it was definitely an anticipated record and they were yeah. a big band. Oh yeah. I think point. like at the time too, like their previous project Shibuti was such a, was such an iconic band in that area too. It was. That, that they, when they came out with Coheed and Cambria, like you can even, I think they, they uploaded like one of those videos on YouTube of one of their first Coheed and Cambria shows packed and people. Oh yeah. Bananas. That was actually on um, second stage. Yeah. John from from Timeshares and I, we went to different high schools about 20 minutes apart, um, but we would go to shows in Nyack, which yeah. is the other corner of Rockland County, which is a, a triangle. And uh, we would we'd go to um, shows at the Nyack Center. Um, they would call it the back door because they'd use, actually it was the side door that we'd go in to go to the shows, but they called it the back door. And that was, so it was like a whole boy meets world situation is yeah. it a backyard or a side yard <laughs> yeah that was put together by claudio from coheed when he was in high school at nyack high school nice um and those were some of the first local shows i ever went to that was like the first time that i saw people my age or or slightly older you know playing small local shows and thinking like i could try to do this um and that's that's like where i met john um and i remember seeing a show it it might have still been shibuti or or it might have just been uh you know transitioning into coheed at that point yeah. but it was packed for that you know pretty small place and that was the first time i saw people windmilling uh <laughs> so, loose change yeah it was like like oh wow this is uh people love this that was uh that was cool uh, i'm i'm glad i got to see that i saw i saw claudio play uh at a gazebo right on the hudson river uh probably between the first and second record coming out there was definitely uh, a buzz about that band in the area we walked through the mall we'd walk on friday nights through the mall hand out flyers for our crappy local shows coming up and that record we'd be blasting out of the hot topic or the zoomies yep. pretty much on repeat so it, it blows my mind that and i'm i'm gonna sound super old saying this but that the younger generations aren't gonna experience going to a mall and just handing out flyers for a local show i know and i feel I bad that they're, they're missing out on that because i don't that's how we met so many different influential bands like were in a local scene was just going to the mall and just literally going into a hot topic be like can we put our flyer here yeah and um it was just super cool just like it was like it felt like a community and it actually felt like you know people had nothing to do on the weekends and they would just go to 
a local show and you would have like a line of kids out the door waiting to come in to go listen to some band called like i don't know handgun romance or something stupid like that and <laughs> yeah. um yeah it was it's it's it was just a completely different That's time and exactly what i came up in yeah and it, it's just it's i don't know it's it you, i feel like i feel like we we're, we're slowly getting back to a situation like that but i think more people just need to be like i'm gonna go to a fucking shitty bar and go listen to a punk band for a little right. bit yeah, I mean, for us it was uh, in in Zoomies. They had the old school TV and like the wooden, yeah, <laughs> furniture that uh, they had the the crappiest couch that uh, you could sit and play Tony Hawk on, and we would leave flyers right on top of that TV. Um, and that was just, you know, uh, this was pre MySpace, pre any kind of like networking website i think we had like a some kind of geo cities website for our band that uh you know you're on pure volume or yeah this was before that oh yeah there was maybe mp3.com and uh oh my god it was uh yeah no it was a different time i i hate like sounding like uh like you're old but I hate sounding like I'm a curmudgeon. I hate I hate being like the uh, things were better. Like you know we're we're uh, we are where we are right now. Um, it yeah. is crazy though because you know I don't like to rely on social media to get the word out for shows. But you know if I walk down to the mall and hand out paper flyers now, people I don't think, think you're passing out of anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, as you're it not is, gonna I mean, you know, find people to yeah, we have, you know, we have shows that we post about on Instagram or Twitter or or, or whatever. And, and somehow they still slip under the radar and, and people will find out the day of. And, you know, that's it's just what it is. We're, we're trying to figure it out how to how to how to reach our, our people. You know, um, you know, we have our, our followers on our on our uh, platforms there and and. Yeah, it sucks kind of feeling like you got to fight to get stuff in front of them, but uh that is what it is. Um that's 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 where we are. And uh we're trying. It's still easier than going to the mall and handing out flyers. <laughs> or like I used to go into 7-Eleven and use the copy machine there. Oh god, yeah. Wait, and, what? And then, Why was like, there a copy machine in Seven Eleven? I don't know. Yet, and you had to pay at the counter. Like they, they had like a little counter to the side of the register that kept track of how many copies you made, and then they'd bill you right at the register. It was stupid. <laughs> Using a glue stick, cutting shit out, and making a flyer, and then copying a hundred of them or whatever. And I don't know. I'm. I mean, I, I still need to see the Seven Eleven with a copier in it, like. What the hell is going on in upstate New York? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, that's what we did there. There's no Kinkos. They're they're too loony for Kinkos. Got to cross the state border into New Jersey to go to Staples. <laughs> so, just out of curiosity, what school did you guys go to, and uh, college did you go to in upstate New York? I went. Um, so we went to Eric. Our original guitar player Jay and I went to uh, Oneonta State, which okay. is uh, a SUNY school oh, up yeah. in. It's like in the middle of the state. Like if you, I know there's like Long Island people will call anything north of the city upstate. 
people from Syracuse will say we're not upstate, we're central New York. I think uh, you know, no, it's a weird spot. It's like between Binghamton yeah. and Albany. Like yeah, yeah. Oneonta is halfway between Binghamton and Albany on I-88. Um, it's 20 minutes from Cooperstown, which is where the baseball hall of fame is. Um, it's right up, it's it's right in the mountains. Um, it's a, a two-college town, Hartwick. Well, can I tell you, I, I went to a pretty epic show at SUNY Oneonta in 2009. Really? As tell tall as Lions, Gabriel the Marine, and Fireworks. Wow, we actually had fireworks come through uh, while we were in school, and they played in a classroom. That's so, you know, awesome. I, I, I saw them on campus, but it wasn't yeah. in a classroom. It was like in your like student union. Yeah, the, so the the student union had a pretty big ballroom um, with a yeah. big stage. It was that, a stage. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually played with Title Fight in there after we graduated. Um and but other than that, there were there was like a multicultural center on campus that was a pretty big room that we could get uh, for for bands coming through. Um, but then there was also a classroom in the fine arts building that kind of had like kind of like tiered um, levels going up where the, the students would sit. It was almost like a lecture hall, but kind of smaller. And uh, we'd have sh- we yeah, we'd have bands come through and play right on the floor and then the crowd would kind of be looking down at them and i definitely remember uh fireworks playing that room we had no trigger um sweet jenna berlin which was the the band that later formed into restorations um came up a bunch we know those guys like it's it's amazing that they're like still in our lives and uh they're they're working on a new record and and we see them in philly all the time and it's just like we go all the way back to when we were in college and you guys were touring through i remember uh a a friend of ours that booked shows on campus putting jenna berlin for fans of taking back sunday and uh on the flyer posting it all over campus and then i it was my first time seeing them and i thought that band was fucking awesome they didn't sound anything like taking that sunday and uh our buddy was just like i oh, know i just i just wanted people to come out yeah so you did you, like <laughs> I, I remember seeing flyers like back in the day for like the wonder years and it would be like for fans of like newfound glory and like the movie life and i'd be like right. they don't sound anything like right any of those bands I'm like this is the the wonder years <laughs> it was a small town you had to get everybody out that you could yeah that you and could then, uh, we snuck those guys like into the dining room through the freight elevator a couple times so that they could get a nice uh a nice meal on tour you know it was those those were good times um that was uh you know coming from rockland county you know we didn't really we weren't too exposed to diy um you know everything was either at a community center or um we would we would do like all ages shows at a bar at 2 p.m on sundays um there was another guy in town that would book um you know like smaller pop punk shows and stuff but it was never really like that that true diy like this is you know completely um you know grassroots here and um when i got to college and joined the knockdown that was like First time going out of town, playing house shows, um, playing shows with like Lemuria. Um, and there was a band 
uh, pot boiler that uh, was, they were in New Paltz, another SUNY town. And um, those guys went on to be in Get Bent and then Get Bent, one of them ended up in Iron Sheik. So, you know, getting, getting into that world was just super different and cool coming out of Rockland County. Cause we were in kind of a spot where like, we're so close to New York city, but also, you know, pretty far, like for me in high school, like before I drove, if I wanted to see a show in New York city, it was an all day affair. I had to get on the train and transfer and then do some walking and, and figure that out and make it back to the train before the last train. So most of the time I just didn't do it. So I'd just stick to the local shows, but like who's coming through like almost New York city and not going to New York city. It was just all bands like from within an hour or so away. So, you know, a little bit kind of secluded in that, in that uh, aspect, but it was definitely cool to, to see a different side of it and get into the DIY world. Yeah. I, I went to SUNY Cortland and I feel like oh, shit. I, I was like the only kid other than my wife that appreciated this type of music. <laughs> like it wow. was not, it was not like Oneonta at all. I actually played hockey at SUNY Cortland, not for SUNY Cortland. When I was in high school, I played at SUNY Cortland. So here we go. It was a pretty nice uh, ice rink. It was probably, I would say, like six or 10,000 people you could probably hold yeah. in there. Yeah. Pretty decent. Cool. Yeah. So um, I definitely want to dive into your hockey background as well. You know, you got yeah. your, your name, Coach Mike, right there on the screen. So I want to hear a little bit about your, your coaching days and also just you as a fan, you know, being in Rockland County is kind of split up. You know, you could go either way, really, which team you root for. So, yeah, of course, I, I definitely want to hear what got you hooked on the Rangers and all of that. But before we do that, I do want to tell everyone about our sponsor, DraftKings. So the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. So, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs are coming up right around the corner. Trade deadline's happening. So, definitely can play some exciting bets all throughout the playoffs. So, bet on um, – sorry, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable – you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So cool. Mike, I guess, you know, we kind of hinted at it already. What, what uh, made you go for the... Red, red, white, and blue with the Rangers. Uh, my dad is a lifelong Rangers fan. When I was a kid, um, really my first memory of hockey was uh, him putting the Rangers games on probably around uh, 91, 92. 
Um, I was, you know, in first grade, he, he played baseball. Um, he was a baseball guy. He actually never played hockey, but was a big hockey fan. Um, and, you know, it was like the timing was just right. Like 92, 93, I started kind of getting into it. And 94 was the season that I really got hooked on it. And we all know how that ended. Um, it was just the, the coolest thing for uh, a second grader to uh, experience bringing home the cup. You know, that was like, oh, and, and, like I could, I could, I could tell you the whole roster from that year, <laughs> numbers and all. I was, I was, uh, I was, I loved it. And, um, and I knew from, from watching hockey all the time then that I, I wanted to play goal. I thought that was, I, I still to this day think that's like the most beautiful era in goaltending between Richter, Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, Hasek, um, just all those greats from that period. It was just awesome to watch. I just loved it. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently. Like, I really think that that was the heyday of the NHL. Like, the mid-90s to late 90s was just, like, at its all-time peak. And I don't know if hockey could ever get back to that. Maybe it will. But yeah, I, I feel like it was, like – way more in pop culture and yeah. casual people like casual sports fans were talking about hockey. Yeah. And I just don't, I feel like it's really become even more niche and like niche down than it ever has been. I agree. And, and here like outside of New York city, you put on sports radio, they don't talk about hockey at all. Um, Not even you, in New York know. city. Like that's like the big ongoing joke on the boomerang carton show is like, Exactly. Whenever Boomer sighs and tries to talk about the Rangers. Craig they Carton go silent to, on him, right? No, they were like, nobody cares about hockey, Boomer. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. And then they'll yeah. have to move on. I, that's that's crazy to me. I love the fan. I remember um, when the when the Rangers went on a run in 2014 and 2015. They had two good runs. We were actually in Europe when they lost to the Lightning in the conference finals. That was, I think, the year after they went to the finals and lost to the Kings. Yeah. That, that year, that year that they went to the finals, um, you know, I would turn on Steve Summers and, and listen to him talk after the game for an hour. Um, but yeah, that is, that is totally gone. Like you turn on, turn on the fan uh, now and they will, they'll, they'll find any way to talk about football, even on yeah. the afternoon before they'll mention <laughs> the, the, the giants and jets can be out of it and they'll be making lists of quarterbacks that are up for free agency that, that, you know, who do you think they should go for now? And it's like, you got three hockey teams in the area that are, in you the know, playoffs, the, right like in the playoffs. Well. the Rangers are right up there. Um, it's, it's wild to me that, that it's, it's fallen off so much, but you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, Hockey back then was a much more um, pop culture mainstream thing, and uh, and which is wild to think also with like how like cable packages and stuff work. Like <laughs> hockey was sometimes buried. Like it, yes, they had like the Saturday Fox game or whatever the Sunday Fox game, but like right. other than that, unless you had a pretty premium cable package, right. you didn't even have necessarily access to watch the games where right. now it's way more accessible yeah but yet it seems like only hockey fans 
are talking about. <laughs> right. TNT's gotten into the mix now. They do they'll do like the double header on TNT. Uh the Rangers played on ABC the other day, I think. Um I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It blows my mind too, like in that New York market that they would rather talk about the Giants and the Jets than or talk just, about like, the Rangers. Or just like the NFL or the NBA. In oh, like and I, I kind of, I can kind of understand for the most part, but at, at the end of the day, and this is just me talking crap about New York teams. Um, the Giants and the Jets don't even play in New York. It's it's, it's true. very true. They don't <laughs> even true. play in New York. Meanwhile, yeah. you have you have the Rangers and the Islanders and the Sabers. They all play in New York. Yep. The Rangers actually play in the city, and yep. then you have the Islanders. They play on Long Island, but. Those are actual teams in in the physical state right. of New York. Yeah, but Buffalo, New York's not really in New York. Like, let's be real. Yeah, it's it's basically Canada, but same same. It's it's still New York. Buffalo is my hockey home away from home, so I had <laughs> I had a lot of love for the Sabers. And oh, uh, I'm not I'm not trying to say like, <laughs> yeah. Buffalo is awesome. Like I've caught road awesome. games in Buffalo, and it's sweet. Yeah. But I'm but saying they're like, not New if York. you if you think anyone from sports radio is going to talk about the sabers like oh, no. freaking out of your mind just no, so like, I mean, hey you know it was the same thing we're talking about the bills a few years ago and look at the bills now no yeah. but i'm saying like literally buffalo is like oh, yeah. eight or nine hours away from new york city <laughs> from new york city it's literally like a different yeah. state away yeah it'd be like orlando talking about the thrashers yeah exactly or what was the thrashers <laughs> or yeah the preds that's about eight that's about nine ten hours away yeah it, it's a different world but um, yeah. so it's funny that you you mentioned that that Stanley Cup you know series and being in like second grade. So like I'm pretty sure we must be exactly the same age. So you graduated high school 2005, I'm guessing. 2004. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I I was young for my class though, so I I probably could have been a 2005 graduate just as easily. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I remember vividly. There was a New York Rangers pop-up shop that, like, after they won the Stanley Cup in one of the strip malls in my town. So what town was like, that? Deer Park on Long Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was, like, every town on Long Island basically had the same thing. Like, they all had their own pop-up shop after they won where right. you could buy, like, that black and white Rangers Stanley Cup hat that's, like, so it. historic. I I have it right there. Yeah. It's in my, yeah, it's on my shelf. <laughs> it's like the most historic hockey championship championship hat I can ever imagine. Mike, I think you need to show it. don't look anything like that anymore. Mike, just yeah. show it because you Mike, he's been talking it. about this for yeah, like give me, give me, give 10 episodes. Oh, where is that? I just saw it before. <laughs> um, it doesn't exist. No, it, it it's <laughs> epic. It really is. Here it is, boys. Yeah, that's oh, that. nice, dude. It's so epic. Like I, can, it I is can, right. It really is. It's kind of. It's kind of hideous. It's kind of hideous. <laughs> it is. Championship hats don't look like this anymore. I mean, no. this is the one that I wore to school. That's, um, it's the nineties, though. That's the nineties. What I'm trying to say is, let's say if the Rangers and Islanders won the Stanley Cup today there would not be that response. Like there no. would not be these pop-up championship stores where all you could buy was that hat and the shirt. 
And that was yeah. it. Like that was the whole store. Yeah. And like I said, every town on Long Island basically had the same thing. And I'm like, in the year 2023, if the Rangers go on to win the cup this year, I guarantee that that does not happen. And that's just going back on my point. Right. Like hockey has niched down so much that like that store would do terrible. It would fail. And also, <laughs> visit, like, you can just order that shit. Yeah. Also true. Oh. Well, it was yeah. it was like I, that I, with I, uh with the it. bolts too. Like when the bolts they went back to back, I tried to go to lids just to find like a Stanley Cup hat or just something from the Stanley Cup. You couldn't find anything. Wow, that's like, wild. anywhere, and it's like it's you're you're just like this is like a not only do they win it once, they won it twice back to back, and you can't find any of this stuff anywhere. Yeah. They, I mean, they do have a good, they have a great, uh, you know, fan base. People love it. No, they have a terrible fan base. No, I, I don't know. I, I thought, I, I, I figured, uh, they were pretty beloved. Tampa? Not, not the case. I don't know. No, they don't even know the first thing about hockey. <laughs> they cool. sell out like every game, though. They sell out, but yeah, no, you know, they, they have a fan of some of the dumbest people I've ever met. All right, you're talking sorry, about your own fans. Sorry for my fans. I'm not going to say that about my own. <laughs> oh, boy, big chirps going on here. <laughs> they are. I, I love going to Amelie games with God. They're the dumbest people. They start yelling at other teams. They're just like, I'm just like, I th- I'm trying to remember the last game I went to. It was either a Rangers game or a Blackhawks game, and uh, Tampa was just chirping the other team. And I was just like, Pretty sure they're going to destroy us this game. This is before. This is when we still had like Ben Bishop in that, and it was just we weren't a good team. Big Ben, what a fucking monster! He's a fuck. He's so big. Was six three, six four in net? He might have been taller than that. He's like he might have been like six six. What a huge dude! He took up the entire net basically. Yeah, it's me. I'm I I was uh, an inch taller than John Van Beesbrook. So yeah, and that was normal for the time. Well. Mike, Mike's a goalie for his beer league team. He's 5'10". And not me. <laughs> no, no, no. The singer of his band. Yeah. Gotcha. He's a goalie too. And he's, yeah, yeah. he's, he's about 5'10", five, 5'11", five five maybe on a, yeah. on a good day. Never get a contract now. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. So I, I guess let, let's talk about your, your coaching days because, uh, sure. you know, I, I think, coaching a double a team is probably like other than juniors in Canada, like some of the most hot, like competitive hockey you can play in the United States, like double and triple a. Well, it's, it's Bantam double a, so it's 14 U. Okay. Um, you know, uh, they are, you know, eighth graders and freshmen in high school. Um, but it is, it, it is one of my favorite, levels of hockey um just in the world i think i think bantam double a is is such a, a a cool level of hockey because you're in your second year of checking um it's a it's a, a national tournament bound level um and it, it it's really i mean you know i i did um I've been around peewee hockey, which is 12 and under. Um, that hasn't really started to it, – it can, but it doesn't really look like 
hockey fully yet. It, yeah. it can, um, but Phantom is really where it, it starts to uh, integrate the systems and, and you start to see, um, you know, like a, a very deliberate four check or D zone coverage or power play. Um, so I love Bantam double A hockey. I could talk about it all day. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love being around it. It's, it's great. So how'd you fall into to coaching? Cause I also have some friends who coach at similar levels, maybe a little older or a little younger mm -hmm. and, they love the, the actual coaching aspect, but mm -hmm. the parents and the political, like the politics that go around that as well is sure. why they got out of coaching. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I mean, um, so my, I coach with my brother, Tom, um, who is three and a half years younger than me. Um, he was also a goalie. Um, he, had a really good playing career after high school. He played a year of juniors outside Philly. And then uh, he played D3 at Becker College in Worcester, Mass. And uh, after that, he came came back home to go to grad school and decided he wanted to get into coaching. Um, and he got in touch with his buddy, Andrew Ojeda, uh, who he had played with basically from mites up to high school. Um, and they decided to get into it. They did two years of peewee um and i probably helped out on the bench a handful of times and then uh, they moved up to bantam a and that year he was like he was like i i registered you for usa hockey uh here's what you got to do you got to get a background check and 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 complete this course and everything you're on the staff with us and uh that's that's how I ended up. We did. Uh, so you had no choice. You were just like, oh, yeah. I guess I'm my coach. Yeah, we did two <laughs> years at the uh, Ramapo Saints, which was the team we grew up playing for because the rink was seven minutes from our house. Because in the 90s, if you had a rink seven minutes from your house, that's the team you played for. Yeah. It, wasn't, uh, it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as normal as it is now to to travel a bit more. Um so that was where we started coaching. Um, and after two years there, we, we made a switch to the North Jersey Avalanche, uh, which who we're with now uh, out of Hackensack, New Jersey. And uh, that this is uh, this has been our fifth season with them. And it's been great. It's uh, just a top notch organization. Can't can't say enough good things about about the, the program there. And, uh, you know, they're they're not only are they good to us, they let us run our team the way they, that we want to, um, you know, they have our backs in anything that we want to do with our program. It's, it's been great. And we've been at Bantam AA for five seasons. So we pretty much have a, a fresh squad every year. We get the next birth year. This year we had 2008s. Our first, our first year at the Avalanche, we had 2004s and we've had every birth year leading up since next year we'll have oh nines nice and i'm guessing since you've been doing this a couple of years you know you are probably at that point where some of these kids that you first start to coach are now getting like offer letters to play you know d1 d2 or d3 hockey and to know that you had a little bit of an impact on that must be pretty gratifying sure i mean so um we had on our 06 team two players, one just committed uh, verbally to 
Providence. Oh, sick. Um, and one actually, um, our goalie from our 06 year um, was drafted by the Ottawa 67s in the OHL draft. Uh, he's still 16 or 17 years old, so he's not actually going yet. He also did, uh, he signed like a week contract, uh, a week long contract this year with um, the Tri City Storm uh, out in Iowa or Nebraska, I believe. So, yeah, we have, we have some guys that are uh, getting some good looks. Um, you know, not all of them. You know, it, it's, it's double A hockey. Um, and, you know, I think the 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 NHL dream is is pretty. Uh, I think everybody knows it's pretty hard to obtain. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know, but we we definitely have had guys through the years that have gone on to play D three or or play club hockey in college, which is awesome. I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we have guys that can play play the game as long as they want to at some level if uh if if they love it. Yeah, and I'm guessing in like the northern Jersey slash you know Westchester or whatever Rockland County, whatever yeah. area you want to consider yourself part of, um, not too many high schools probably have teams, right? Um, not actually a lot do. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, high school high school hockey is big in North Jersey, um, and it's gotten a lot bigger in uh, you know, downstate New York, I went to Suffern high school, um, which for years and years was really like the powerhouse school South of Albany, um, section one in New York state. Uh, they pretty much had the run of it for the better part of the eighties and nineties. Um, and now so, so that's with- kind of your competition then, huh? So they're probably keeping some of their kids because right. Like they have to decide, if they're going to play double A or go play for their high school, right? No, they can do both. Um, oh, okay. Travel hockey and, and high school hockey, at least in New York, um, you know, we're, there are different, different uh, kind of protocols in different states. In Massachusetts, you have to make that decision. Um, in Connecticut, I think you have to make that. In Connecticut, I think you have to commit to one or the other fully. In Massachusetts, you can be on your high school team and a, a travel team, but you can't play a game for each in the same day and that you know will cause some rifts um in in new york and new jersey uh you are free to play on both teams free to play multiple games in a day um you know where we're at with 14u uh most of our guys are freshmen or eighth grade um you know they aren't first or second liners on their high school team most of the time. So they're usually, you know, we, we, we tell them, you know, like uh, unless you're an impact player on your high school team, first or second line or top four D like you're definitely going to get more out of coming, coming to your travel hockey game or practice rather than, you know, sitting on the bench for most of the night, seeing a couple shifts here and there. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And in high school, the upperclassmen are going to get the ice time. Yeah, you know, it, sure. it makes sense. They're they're developed more. They're you know, um, they're 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 throwing the body. Um, it's just how it is, and that's another reason why we love 
14U. Um, you know, at 16U, there's a lot more conflicts. The most 16U programs will go short season so that guys can focus on high school. But uh, if it's if it's not a short season team, you, you end up with a lot of conflicts, a lot of guys, uh, you know, missing from practice. The one year that we did 16 double A, it was hard to hard to work on the power play because we didn't have a full team for most practices. And that's tough. Um, so we love staying at, at Bantam double A. It's great for that reason. Good stuff. Love that. Yeah. Um, always curious how people fall into, you know, some roles that they have with coaching or, you know, scouting or whatever it may be, because like, look at John Cooper with the lightning. Like he kind of started at that level. Right. And then ended up creating basically his own NHL career out of that, which is wild. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's cool because uh, there's even some crossover where, um, Russ Rankin from that sure. bad good riddance is like a pro scout. Oh yeah. Which yep. is like so cool to think. He how... actually did, uh, to bring it back around, he did like, I think it was a booze cruise virtual show during COVID. And I was like, uh, I was peppering him in the, uh, chat on the side, just like talk about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> And well, that's cool. Like, like uh, he, he's a legit scout for. He is. He's like, like I don't think uh, a WHL team. Here. Yeah, he's like I don't think most of the people here would want me to start talking about hockey. You'd be surprised. There's some. There's some Eastern European teams that are all that's for me. it. Listening to punk or weird electronic European music. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's it's great though. I I I had stepped back from the game after high school. Um, you know, I, I played all four years of high school and Oneonta didn't have a team or a rink. Um, wait, do you know that we legit have the same mascot, our colleges? Yes. Red Dragons. Isn't that the silliest thing ever? That is pretty wild. It's not far apart either. It's And they're both SUNY schools. Yep. That's super (laughs) weird. Why do you have the same mascot? Got lazy. Super weird. Yeah. You know how many teams in Miami? So, like, I grew up in Miami. You know how many high schools in Miami their mascot were the Bulldogs? Really? They're at least seven. Oh, my God. That's way too much. Yeah. Seven is a high number, but it was at least four to five. Suffering hockey, we are, or Suffering High School, we're the Mounties. And uh, until about 90. 96 or 98 Mountie was short for Mountaineer and uh, my peewee hockey jersey. The logo was like this old guy with like a Beverly Hillbillies hat uh, smoking a pipe, holding a shotgun. Um, That's like a minor 49er. That's like it was, it was amazing. That was that was the suffering hockey logo for for a long time. And then late 90s, they kind of got hip to uh so that you couldn't do that, so they uh, they they changed the the long hand of Mountie to Mountain Lions, and uh, oh lame, yeah, kind of uh, you know. I thought they were gonna give you like a Dudley Do Right type of thing, right? But it, it's unique, and and we we rock the uh, the Carolina blue 
and the uh, at Blue and Navy. So we were down in Chapel Hill uh, playing a couple weeks ago and saw that uh, I called it Suffering Blue out on the streets. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was good. It's very, uh, very distinct colors. Back back in the day, I couldn't get custom, custom gear. I had I had black and royal blue pads. That was the closest I could get to my jersey. You know, oh, now nowadays oh, I could yeah. probably get them. Yeah, whatever color you want. I could get a sick set. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I I don't uh, I don't really gear up anymore. I skate I skate at practice. I'll, I'll, I've I've put the pads on for alumni games over the years, maybe uh, a handful of times. Um, but I, I I still have my gear from high school. So when I dress up and, and get in goal, I look like some kind of museum exhibit. My pads <laughs> break just above my knees and they don't lay flat on the ice when I go down. I, I look like something out of a 90s hockey card. I love that. Yeah. We, we were just talking to uh, John from Point North and he, he was talking about you know, how he picked up hockey again, you know, yeah. just recently. Right. And same thing, like using his old gear and right. fe- feeling like it was, oh, or maybe I'm talking about uh, the homie for mom jeans. It was and, both of them. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, I listened to that episode. Mom yeah. Jeans. Bart yeah. and Bart and John, John, John was talking about how he had uh, cloth skates. Oh my God. <laughs> he had the old school cloth skates. Like the CCM then- tax. Yeah, and then and then Bart was saying that he had like the two piece stick, and he tried to get a replacement yeah. for the two piece stick, and they're like, "Uh, no, they're all." I uh, yeah. Carbon, carbon it's wild how expensive <laughs> sticks are. Um, the newest Bauer or CCM stick is over three hundred bucks. I yeah. check. I I go into the pro shop at almost every rink. And just, you know, if I see something for like a hundred bucks, like a three-year-old model, I'll grab that. But I'm not paying 300 bucks for a stick. That's insane. Um, yeah. I I would hate to be a hockey parent now. But it's got the McDavid flex. Be, I would be screaming if, uh, if my kid broke a stick out there. And it happens all the time. They break a few sticks a year. It's crazy. We had a kid come out a few years ago that had that new bower that had the slot in the blade. Yep. And that was like a $360 stick at the time. And uh, we were skating around, uh, you know, warming up at the beginning of practice and we bumped into each other and he broke it across my chest. And I was like, Oh, wow. That was, that was like a $360 stick. Wow. (laughs) No Christmas for that kid. Oh that man, is Christmas. that was, that was t- uh, it's, I mean, I remember like my goalie sticks in high school were like 60, 70 bucks or something, you know, like, and I'd go through maybe two or three a year, like yeah. 300 bucks is crazy. It's, it's wild. And, and that's, that's the problem. You're pricing out kids yeah. from. Yeah, that's hockey. true. Yeah. It, it, I think it's, it's like, like baseball and hockey are the two most expensive sports. To get into, that makes I'm surprised sense. about baseball because other bats, than the bat, bats, gloves, cleats, ice time too is is ice time, crazy yeah, crazy expensive. You know that's like what most of 
the the season tuition goes towards um you know we were me my brother and i were actually coached a few years of high school hockey um just north of us uh monroe woodbury high school who now doesn't have a hockey program anymore but we were um we were skating up in newburgh which is up, up uh close to poughkeepsie and um the you know budgeting out the ice time for a high school program it was just like wow this is just so expensive but it's just normal for ice at least in this area to be like five hundred dollars an hour or like for an hour and 15 it's crazy it adds up uh it adds up like crazy and actually the the last year that we did that was the covid season and the school district had decided um that none of their winter sports teams were going to play games like not not going to compete but could practice so we um we were practicing twice a week at uh bear mountain state park which is uh an outdoor rink with chain link fence instead of glass uh it was bitter cold nice uh the wind would blow the puck off your stick it was the ice had a just a different feel to it It, you'd be like chopping it up like it was super hard and uh it like flaked up different than normal indoor ice that was just an experience every week i was trying something different gloves under the gloves hot hands in the gloves anything it was so brutal it's cool to see some of those outdoor ice rinks though because uh there's a few of them in Buffalo when I was, yeah. uh, you know, going river works. Yeah. It, it's just so cool to, to see because on Long Island, I've never saw that. Like I never saw an outdoor rink. There's roller few, rinks, but yeah. not, not ice. There are a few like open, open side, like with a roof, um, like Ebersol in white plains um, is, you know, still a mostly outdoor rink, even though it's covered. But uh, you, you definitely get a, a good fog game in it in White Plains, where uh, like the foot above the ice is just fog, oh, fog. and you can't, you can't really fog. see the fog. <laughs> That'd be a terrible game to like be a goaltender in, because uh, like I, where do you where do you go? Where do you you can't you can't make a play. I always think about um, the rink in Cranford. New Jersey, which I think is partially outdoor. I think it's open on the ends. And when I was playing, we'd get like an early slot and the away goalie would face the sun coming up for two periods. And it would just be a big glare coming right at like I I couldn't even figure out where the blue line was when the rush was coming down. Like I'd, you know, try to set my angle to where they would enter the zone. And I wasn't even sure where the blue line was. It was. I just couldn't see it. Yeah, it was bad. But, That's you wild. know, all kinds of, all kinds of, uh, you know, elements. Shenanigans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, good stuff. Uh, you know, we've been chatting for about an hour and 10. Um, I guess before we let you go, um, you know, we, we mentioned the, the two festivals in Europe. Uh, anything else on the horizon with timeshares for the rest of 2023? Um, we're still working it out. Um, like I said, it's a 
it's a, a busy year for our, our personal lives. So Europe is, you know, something that we're definitely looking forward to. And we've had to shuffle some things around. Um, but we are, we are already starting to write songs um, to do a new album at some point, you know, no timeline on that, but uh, that's, that's something that we plan to do. We also had um, three EPs come out uh, starting in 2018. Um, and then another one that came out during the break there. Um, I think probably the next thing you'll see from us at some point is like a collection of those maybe on one vinyl um again no 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 solid plans for that but that's that's something that we've been planning to do since we started uh working on those eps and um i think that'll definitely be that that's definitely something that we've wanted to do and will fill the gap in between um limb coming out and then whatever is next as far as a full length so um yeah be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for more music from us. We love making music together. So, you know, even even uh, just getting into the studio and, and getting to work on stuff uh, is, again, just a, a gift to, to be able to do that. So we're looking forward to that. We love uh, We love playing together. And just out of curiosity, it looked like when you guys started releasing music, you were like heavy on the split, but then haven't had splits in a while. So are are you uh, ever considering maybe doing another split down the road? Um, I would not, you know, rule it out. I think that, um, at, you know, at first uh, the captain split came about, uh, you know, I think Kiss of Death Records uh, planned on doing our first record, but wanted to kind of dip a toe in first and, and get a split going. And then the other two that we did were part of series. Like the the split with Dividers was part of a, a like a, a a series that a label in the UK did, where it was like a US and a UK band on every split. And That's they cool. did like I think three series, and then maybe did a box set um the split with luther um was part of um some guys from from new york that had a venue called suburbia long island guys uh that moved to brooklyn um and had a venue called suburbia and then they did um it was a box set of splits of bands that had all come through and played suburbia over the years um so that was you know another another cool um you know bigger project that the split was a part of i mean splits are cool there have been some great splits between bands over the years i mean um you know i feel I think, like it's a dying art though i don't see it as often as i, I used to. it is i think i think um you know from our from our perspective um you know we work really hard at crafting our songs and 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 we want to be proud of every song that we put out um into the world and i feel like those releases um they don't get as much you know attention or yeah you know, as, not as many people find their way to them so joke we we used to make as a split is a great way to take a song that you're very proud of and make sure nobody ever hears it which is so <laughs> crazy too because i remember i remember like years ago like i would oh i know i would buy just 
the seven inches of split, like just bands that do the split. And the one that always comes to mind is the, um, I mean, Touche Amore did a shit ton of splits with a whole bunch of people. Right. But um, the one that that is just kind of like etched into my mind is um, the one where they did a cover of Title Fight's Crescent Shade Depression. And Title Fight did a cover of um, a Touche Amore song. I can't remember what song Title Fight covered. But that one, the, the one with uh, Pianos Become the Teeth in Touche Amore, the one with, I think, Touche Amore did one with, like, the Casket Lottery, and I think they even did one with, like, Law Dispute. Right. Like, I love those. Like, it's some of my favorite songs came from Splits. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a, it's a, an awesome way to, um, you know, get spread out, uh, you know, bands and, and get get more listeners. I think there are people who probably found our band because they were already fans of Captain We're Sinking. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I think Lucifer it kind of goes back to uh, the flyers on the TV at Zoomies. It's kind of uh, the old way and uh, nothing wrong with it. It just it's it's not uh, it's not the same as it was. I, I, you know, it's still cool. Yeah, I I wish more bands would do it. I, I, I just think like recent like the most recent one that comes to mind is when this wildlife and real friends did one and they just covered each other's songs. And I yeah. thought that was super cool, but that's like the last one I've seen from this scene of music. And that's going back like eight years. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Our, our, yeah. It's been a while. All right. Yeah. You know, Spotify and, and, and it's, it's, it's more of a playlist based culture now than like an album based culture you know i mean i i still appreciate a full album you know that's that's how i want to absorb music um you know even but you would think now that now that you mentioned that like it would make splits a lot easier if it was just like True. a digital split and you True. don't even have to worry about a vinyl like look at that taking it taking it back into hockey for a second every year every season we do uh we have a, an instagram account for our team and we do a player profile for for every player and they get to you know name their their favorite artist their favorite movie favorite subject in school or whatever you know this this season not a single uh player mentioned a band oh you know that's not <laughs> it, it you know it it's uh it is what it is. They like what they like. I'm, I'm not going to be a grumpy old old man about it, but uh, you know. No, I, I just I feel like happy. kids aren't playing in bands anymore. Yeah. I feel you know it, it seems like we're we're like the the old time gatekeepers that are trying to keep it going, but yet like if it's not kids playing shows and doing that, then who knows what's going to happen to genre music? Going to be I like grunge. Open minded. I like some of the stuff they listen to. I'm not, you know. Sometimes, sometimes they don't realize that I know the song they're listening to quite well. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I have to be cool about it, though. I'm, 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 coach. Amen. I love I'm trying that. to. I'm trying to remember. There was a band that came out with a four-way split. Because I remember four-way splits were like super four-way popular for cool. a little bit. Yeah, I think it was. I think it might have been Ivy League turnover someone else i'm like shit i can't remember that this split i have it on on vinyl i can't remember what, the, what it was but i know oh, 
yeah, Maker, Such Gold, Ivy League, and uh, Turnover. That's who it was. Yeah. Very, very early timeshare show in Oneonta off campus was Maker and Such Gold. Um, it was at the Oneonta Moose Lodge. Nice. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a good one. Uh, I miss Moose Lodge shows. Oh, the yeah. FWs. Yeah. Dude, I, I could be totally misspeaking, and if Tom was on here right now, like he would be able to chime in, but I'm pretty sure one of Tom's bands had a split with Such Gold. Which could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Such Gold did splits with like almost everybody. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it did. And I'm, like, this is before people even bought vinyl again. So this is like probably 2007 or 2008 before it like really boomed. And I, I'm pretty sure it was like pressed and no one obviously bought it because no one was buying vinyl then. But our, luckily, all of our vinyl splits have have found homes or they're up on discogs maybe but uh i don't have any copies uh to sell anymore which is you know that's good so but yeah. uh yeah we had to we had to put those uh up on on spotify for ourselves uh, you know all the the streaming platforms we had to we had to get them up there on our own or they were never going to be uh heard <laughs> yeah that's the hard part yeah. Especially in a world of singles right now. Yeah, it's it's true. Well, you know, Mike, it, it definitely was a blast. You know, you, you are the, like, pinnacle guest where you have the it's, hockey and the music knowledge and you... Both worlds colliding. Both worlds colliding. Yeah. It, it, this is... These are the easy conversations to have where it's just we like... Probably, we, we probably we could have done, done four hours. Four hours. <laughs> easy. <laughs> easy. Yep. But uh, I, I do appreciate you spending your time with us. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your early exit from the playoffs. And oh, uh, boys. Hopefully, you guys bounce back next year. The group you got coming in yep. goes a little bit further. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that these festivals in Europe just kick ass and kind of just ignite the flame a little bit, keep it going a couple more years. And, uh, just like you said, I, that that really resonated with me. Like every gig is a gift. I love that. I hope every band takes that and to heart. And that's just, ours. We have that. That's our. That's our well, trademark. We were talking to uh, the No Trigger Boys, and they call it Vacation Core. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love those. Guys. That's another band that came through Oneonta, and we're still tight with them. We love. Yeah, them. we had Bones on not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that's the perfect way to just view playing yeah. music in your you know yeah. late 20s 30s and so on didn't so, uh pat from the sweller say the same thing too it's just kind of like pto with your buddies uh jano said the Jono, same yes thing. it was yeah i never i've never received pto <laughs> while playing music so uh, that's 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 something i've never experienced so <laughs> and now i work for myself so yeah it's different <laughs> yeah must must be nice. <laughs> it's not bad, not bad. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful uh, hockey's a beautiful game. It'll rip your fucking heart out of your beating uh, chest, chest uh, sure will. at least once a year. So uh, music at least rips it out of your chest all the time. Yeah, touche. Well, Mike, thanks again. 
we'll let you go. See if travels over the summer and we'll stay in touch, man. Guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Peace.